Ladies and gentlemen, your Los Angeles Rams are the NFC West division leaders. Can you believe it? After three weeks, if you had told me that I would be saying this as we intro, intro our podcast... I would not have believed you, but you are listening to the Left Coasters, and we are here talking about our two-in-one Rams, among other NFL news. Brian Balzarini with me, uh, as always. Normally, we would also have Tony Cavallo here this week on the Left Coasters podcast, uh, which is, by the way, uh, uh, three LA transplants looks at how to become a Rams fan and updating the progress that we're making. Normally, we'd be joined by Tony Cavallo, uh, but he is away on a work trip this week. He's busy, so he's he's in Nashville. Uh, so we're pleased to welcome your friend in mine, Alex Alche, who is a good friend of mine from college, a good friend of mine out here, and who has been kind enough to grace us with his presence this evening. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. We're, Can't wait to dive in. We're so glad to have you. Now, Now, Alex is um, Alex is from the city, uh, the New York, uh, the city, for those of you out here on the West Coast. Uh, the city. not San Francisco on the East Coast. When you say the city, you're referring, of course, to New York. Of course, the New there York. There is only one. Absolutely. Um, and, Gi- and Alex is a Giants fan. Um, and as you know, part of part of this, uh, you know, the fun of this for us is that we're all transplant fan. Tony, a Packers fan. Brian, a Lions fan. Myself, a Patriots fans. We all came here with teams that we love already. Um, and as we're trying to teach ourselves to learn to love the Rams, we're also, you know, uh, following our old teams. And um, I guess to get started, Alex, you know, I picked the Giants to win this game against the Redskins uh, this past weekend. They looked great. That makes two of us. Yeah, that may. I think a lot of us. In fact, Tony may have even picked. I believe it was all three. It, all three of us picked the Giants Even to win this game. Even Tony Cavallo picked the Giants, who is his least favorite team in the NFL. However, being a Giants nice fan... the Packers. Being a Giants... <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> he loves to rip on his own folks. <laughs> being a Giants fan nowadays is truly a difficult experience for me, and everyone talks about the two Super Bowls. Eli Manning can bring it. Eli Manning is clutch. Eli Manning, Eli Manning, Eli Manning. Eli Manning makes a lot out of nothing. Do you, you know Man- what I would give as a Lions fan for one of those Super Bowls? So <laughs> Continue. Oh, believe me. Tell me about how having Super Bowl wins sucks. Believe me, having Super Bowl wins is brilliant, but having Eli Manning is not always so frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating because there's insane levels of talent followed by freshman and sophomoric moves day in and day out. Every week, he makes one play that I question every time. What the fuck are you doing, Eli Manning? 350 yards this week. Incredible. Two interceptions this week. What the fuck are you doing? And then there's Odell Beckham Jr., who is incredibly talented. Probably one of the most talented wide receivers in the league. And is the Terrell Owens of the NFL. He was crying. He was crying. He He is a 12-year-old boy playing NFL football because he's that good but he is a child i will say he did do a good job of keeping himself under control between between the numbers when he was on the field however watching these people play watching eli not be able to lead a team he's not a team leader he's a very talented quarterback not a team leader odell beckham jr a very very talented wide receiver not a team leader but i too am looking for a team to really enjoy and root for fully i'm i'm sick of my giants i love them to death but i am sick of them and every week i i say all right guys please 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 provide and here we are every week on a scale of one to ten one being mild at best okay 10 being fervor where were you going into the season 
being a potential Rams fan? Good question. I would say I was about at about a four. Mm-hmm. A, 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 an well, that's a healthy four. A, a healthy that's four. a healthy four. I'd say a healthy four. Because being in L.A., not being able to really watch the Giants on, on national television, I was looking forward to watching national games with a team that was right around the corner. Yeah. You know, I've been, looking, I've been looking for an L.A., uh, for a California team to enjoy. The Chargers can't do it. The Raiders, very interesting team, and I do think that they are one of my favorite teams in the NFL, but I really wanted to like the Rams. I'm really looking to like the Rams. In week one, it was very difficult to enjoy the Rams. Let's just say that. I mean, it was it was watching Pop Warner football almost. Oh, it's like was, they were playing a different sport. And then week two was one of the most boring games of football on the planet, And but they still won, so I was like, okay, the Rams... Was it a fluke? Was it a fluke? Are the, are these Is this team capable of winning? Is this team capable of exciting me? So how do you feel like you've come along now? We're two and one here I think and now watch I, the Rams. I am, I am excited to see where this team goes. I, I am very curious to see where this team goes. I'm very curious to see if Jeff Fisher keeps his job. I'm very curious to see if Case Keenum keeps his job. But I will say, if the defense plays the way that they are capable of playing, if Todd Gurley plays the way he's capable of playing, and if Tavon Austin can get the tosses thrown to him correctly, this team has a lot of upside. And I'm curious to see what happens in the next three to six weeks. So, so, so you can say that you're you're giving them a shot. You're making it. I'm you're definitely ma- giving them the shot. We'll have much more coming up on the Rams game uh, just a little bit later on in the show. But we have an entire week of football to quickly recap before we look ahead. Oh. And a new Mary Fuck Kill to bring you. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Uh, so continue uh, to ram it with us here as we step forward into uh, our look back. Let's ram it, three. baby. So three weeks of NFL action are in the books, and we are left with five teams at 3-0. and The New England Patriots, uh, we've got the Baltimore Ravens also at 3-0. and um, The Denver Broncos at 3-0. and The Philadelphia Eagles at 3-0. and And the Minnesota Vikings Astonishing. at 3-0. Astonishing, Astonishing the entire Mind NFL world blown. after everyone called Mike Zimmer and their entire front office batshit insane for trading away their first-round draft pick next year to get Sam. Bradford, who didn't even play the first week. I was a fan of the Bradford trade. I think it gave every both teams value. But if you had told me that at this juncture they would be 3-0, yeah, good luck. Yeah, you're out of your mind. And, and I'm pleased to see what's happening with Carson Wentz because I like seeing players who... who have high potential, high ceilings, meet that potential early on because it gives the league so much parity and it's exciting. So... But astonishing nonetheless. No, I agree. And, and I mean, you know, you talk about that Vikings defense. I don't think their secondary really gets enough uh, credit. Oh. Andrew Sandejo, Harrison? Har- Harrison Smith is oh. one of Harrison the best Smith safeties. mind-blowing. He's one of the best safeties in the NFL, and he gets zero. Uh, Trey Waynes had the game-clinching interception against the Packers last week, um, and he's he's a good—he uh, was on Kelvin Benjamin all day long. That's who they had him covering, and he's a good three or four inches shorter than Kelvin Benjamin. He, he gave Kelvin— Benjamin fits all day long not to mention that the defense itself in Minnesota hit Cam Newton 12 times sacked him eight times and that's the key to shutting him down really that's Cam the story Newton has been sacked eight times in four games only he is 0 and 4 he was 21 of 35 when he starts to get over 30 passes a game and you're making his game throw a lot that's not the nope. football the kind of football that he plays and keep in mind too you you saw the Minnesota Vikings go into Carolina what's Cam Newton's big claim to fame is he doesn't lose at home. Mm-mm. 
I don't know whether to say enough about the Vikings or say less about the Carolina Panthers. It's that kind of game, and and that's what makes this league amazing. Carolina not among the leaders uh, of the divisions as we're going to get into this right here, and I think I have an interesting Mary Fuck Hill that I want to propose to you guys this Let's week. And we'll start with you, Alex, since we were on the topic of the NFC. I want you to give me a Mary Fuck Kill of the division leaders in the NFC right now. So you have the Philadelphia Eagles at 3-0 and in the NFC East. You have the Minnesota Vikings at 3-0 and in the NFC mm-hmm. North. You got the Atlanta Falcons with a win over New Orleans on Monday, which pushes them to 2-1, and one, leading their division. And then you've got our Los Angeles Rams. Our Los Angeles Rams. Tied Ram for, technically tied for first place in the NFC West, but they have the head-to-head over the Seahawks, who are also 2-1, and one, which gives them the lead in the division. So Mary Fuck Kill, Alex, among the Philadelphia Eagles, the Minnesota Vikings, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Los Angeles Rams. I'm going to get a little wild with it here. I'm going oh. I'm I'm to stir up a little bit of that's okay. I'm going to marry the Vikings. You know, it's crazy. I, I don't think the Green Bay Packers defense or offense can compete with Minnesota Vikings defense or offense. I think that Minnesota really has put together a defense that can beat anyone. Hmm. I don't think it matters if Sam Bradford's quarterback, who is also, by the way, playing like the first round draft pick, that he is playing like the first overall perdition, draft pick. baby, perdition. That he is. He this is, is what he's been waiting for. He's been waiting for it, and he has the offensive line to back him up. He has Stephon Diggs down the road, who they are connecting beautifully. This game, it wasn't so much, but the running game was working for him, even without AP, and the defense was in- exceptional. Absolutely exceptional. I'm, I'm marrying the, the, the Minnesota Vikings. I am fucking... Oh. Our Los Angeles yeah. Rams. Right. I fucking hate Seattle. Fuck you, Russell Wilson. I don't think this team, that team, has enough potential and growth to beat a team like the Los. They're Angeles not trending Rams. well. They're not. Tra- they're not trending at all. And the Los Angeles Rams are trending beautifully, and they have the team to beat that division. I'm going to kill the fucking Falcons. The Carolina Panthers are in that division, and then being one and two does not mean anything. Panthers are definitely going to win another 10 games at least. Brian, let's shift to the AFC, and I'm going to give this one to you of your uh, of your AFC division leaders. Uh, you have the New England Patriots at 3-0 in the NFC, uh, the AFC East, excuse me. The Baltimore Ravens somehow at 3-0 in the AFC North. Uh, the AFC South, what a dumpster fire of a division this <laughs> is. Houston leading at 2-1 after getting just, just their asses handed them against New England. And 3-0 Denver leading the AFC West. Mary fuck kill, uh, Brian, for the Patriots. The Ravens. Ravens, the Texans, and the Broncos. Well, I'll keep this quick with the Patriots because I, I, I think you'd be stupid not to to marry the Patriots because for one reason and one reason only is that a third-string quarterback comes in and beats a hot Texans team. You know, the Houston Texans are not a bad team. Handily. Right, and beat them well. Now, I understand there's home field advantage. I know the Patriots are a well-equipped team, but to win with a rookie third stringer is a uh, it speaks to Belichick's genius I really don't know what to say other than that this man is is Bowed stringing him. gold just as a coach. Him. so him. so kudos to the Patriots and they look like the team to beat as of right now so um that's that's my Mary uh as far as my fuck I mean, I love what Trevor Simeon's doing. I, I still contend that Trevor Simeon has the capable uh, or has the has the potential to turn into a Tom Brady-esque figure. You have a character who right now nobody's scared of. Like, I don't think there's anybody on the defensive side of the ball, you know, potentially playing the, uh, the Patriots down the line who are going, we need to worry about Trevor Simeon. But you better 
you better start playing and 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 counting for him because he's making crisp, cool passes under pressure. He looks like a guy who knows what he's doing, and you're seeing this incredible influx of young talent, and he's one of the top two or three players. As a seventh-round pick out of Northwestern, you know, groomed by by Manning, it's astonishing what he's doing, and I give them a lot of credit. So I, I I'm just very impressed by. Well, them you notice what a sad day C.J. Anderson had on the ground uh, on Sunday <laughs> against really or on Sunday against the Which Bengals. Is very atypical, it, and it is very atypical, and it's because the Bengals defense stepped up and said. They were they and, and stepped up they and basically made they made play. him win it. Yeah. They made him and win the game, and he did. He's it's, making no mistakes, no mistakes. It, it, it's it's beyond impressive when you throw four touchdowns for 312 yards on 35 attempts against a Cincinnati Bengals team that is asking you to throw on them. That's that's impressive, and all the credit goes to to. Um, to that organization for putting the faith Gary in Gary Kubiak's done a hell of a oh, job absolutely. with a new quarterback He's earning and a his new system. He's absolutely earning it. I mean, and then you can't say enough about the defense. So who's your kill then? So my You've kill, this Baltimore is where things get interesting. Left. I, I'm still going to go with uh, um, killing the Ravens. Wow. Over the Texans. Well, here's the thing. There's I, no love for the Ravens on this show. If you've been listening to the Left Coasters any one of these weeks, like we I will not to pick the Ravens to do anything. I'll, I support that 100%. Please continue. Well, it, you know, I do have a disdain for um, for 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 lack of offensive production, and I and I guess I don't equate Joe Flacco with the type of guy who pulls the cap off the defense. In comparison to what I think is a team that still has has to be beaten on a regular basis, and that's the uh, excuse me has to be beaten on a regular basis, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that goes right into the team that I think has a. That goes right into what who I think has a has a chance to absorb this Baltimore Ravens team in what looks to be a very very contentious uh, NFC or AFC North. So I do believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers have a chance to come in take out the take out the Baltimore Ravens. I don't have faith in anybody in the Houston Texans division to come through. Colts look awful. Jaguars awful. Absolutely, absolutely disappointed. Titans look in that terrible, and, and and the Titans don't look like anything I'm scared of. So no. I'm sticking with the Houston Texans, and I'm going to kill the Baltimore Ravens. You're not on board with Baltimore either. Oh, I think Baltimore is has beaten some terrible teams. I think the Steelers. Yeah, Cleveland, are, Buffalo. And I think this the Steelers week, are still in line to possibly win the Super Bowl. I think they had a really difficult week. I think I think I I will say kudos to the Eagles for taking on the Steelers in a wonderful fashion. I think Carson Wentz played great. I think the defense attacked him beautifully, but I don't think that the Ravens can contend with the Pittsburgh Steelers twice a year. There's just no way. They're going to lose both of those games. Okay, one last question, I think, and I, uh, this comes to us. Actually, it's our first bit of viewer mail, guys. Our we first email. We finally got listener mail, uh, and congrats, I'm congrats. so excited to uh, to answer. Uh, uh, Brian, who is the question from this week? It's from a longtime, first-time listener. It's Tony, isn't it? It's Tony. Okay, of course it's Tony. <laughs> Tony is not here this week, so of course he wanted to submit a question. What, what, is, what does Tony want to know? So Tony week? says, hey, guys, long-time, first-time what are your top three candidates for Rookie of the Year thus far? Okay. okay. Well, that's tough. Um, Dangle, start us off. My first choice has to be Carson Wentz right now. I mean, oh, I, I know that's, that's low-hanging fruit, but he's just played like such a pro the last couple of games. He made, again, he stood in the pocket. He took hits from the Steelers' defense. I continue to be impressed by Carson Wentz uh, and the stats that he's putting up every week. Um, this week, 23 for 31. 
300 yards and two touchdowns. That's an elite, the that's an elite quarterback. Steelers. That's an elite quarterback. That's absolutely. absolutely. That's absolutely an elite quarterback. Um, I think uh, also having to be in the conversation. Sterling Shepard's uh, from the Giants. Sterling I love Shepard out of Oklahoma is one of probably 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 the best rookie wide receiver I've seen this season. Nice. I, I, he's he's strong. He's fast, and he's dedicated. I remember I watched a fee, I remember watching a feature piece on him um, that they were doing in, during high school. I believe his dad was also uh, in Oklahoma. I don't know if he was a wide receiver, but he also played at Oklahoma. This guy is a tape fiend. He he's the kind of guy who will wake up early in the morning, butt crack of dawn to watch game tape, watch himself. Breakdown defenses. Um, I like Sterling Shepard a lot. I think he's a huge addition. And in a couple of years, when he becomes the number two wideout, because Victor Cruz's legs are made of balsa wood, and eventually he's just going <laughs> to crumble into a pile on the on the field. Well, he is the number two wideout right now. In he's going and he's going to he's going to keep being that way. And Beckham, and when he comes into his own, Beckham and Sterling Shepard are going to be a nasty, uh, nasty combination. I agree. Um, and then. And then I think um, I'd love to go with somebody on the defensive side of the ball. For, it's hard to it's when tough. it's so flashy with all these quarterbacks. It is. It is so tough. There have been so many young guys. I think Dak Prescott also has to be in the conversation. In the conversation. I know this makes it difficult for you guys, but Dak Prescott has been consistent. He's won, um, and he's he is on track to win more than Tony Romo has in the last couple of seasons. Sure. I still don't think there will be a quarterback controversy when Romo comes back, but I think maybe next season during the offseason, that's when you'll see the quarterback controversy controversy emerge. Sure. I I will have to agree with you on the Carson Wentz Dak Prescott train. There's just there's just no way to argue with what we're looking at right now. Carson Wentz is playing out of his mind. He's playing beyond what anybody expected a Philadelphia Eagles quarterback to play at right now. For a rookie to put up those numbers, it's mind-blowing. Dak Prescott will not—I I don't think he's actually going to be playing the entire time. I think Romo's going to come back, and he's probably going to take that spot, the $108 million. But if he were to play the entire season, Dak's going to give Carson Wentz a really, really big run for his money. I'm going to throw Ezekiel Elliott into the mix because I really— really? Because I believe right that the last game that he played was beautiful, and that's what he's going to do every game going forward. Thirty carrots for 140 yards. He's going to be. He's a workhorse. The guy is an animal. A rookie to do that. A rookie to be given that post alone shows you just how talented this guy is. He's going to put up those numbers for the rest of the season. I think Zeke will honestly be my pick for rookie of the year. I'd say three to three to five weeks from now, you're all going to be saying that as well. Okay. Wow. Brian, it leaves you. God. Um, is it possible to nominate? Is it possible to nominate Trevor Simeon? I mean, can we give him a absolutely sure. red shirt, a red shirt freshman? Absolutely possible <laughs> to nominate Trevor Simeon. Yeah, I think. I think. I know he he's not rookie of the nomination. Year. I know he's not rookie of the year because he's obviously not a rookie, but. I, I treat him as such because I think he is walking into a situation in which, I mean, I don't think anybody really is giving him enough credit for taking a Super Bowl winning team, taking over for a Hall of Famer with a Hall of Famer GM, giving you the reins for this team and doing what he's doing. So I, I, it's I a lot get, of pressure. It, it's impressive to me, and I can't really, I don't know, other than other than the likes of Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz. I looked at the quarterback position as the as 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 the as the leader of the team, and he's doing something I don't know too many other quarterbacks. When you look at the likes of Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, uh, uh, Jay Cutler, you look at veterans who aren't even sniffing them right now. My question to you, then, my question to you then is: Is it the, his offensive line? Is it 
his defense or is it him? I think it's the coaching. Okay. And here's why. Because not only does coaching affect all those facets of the game, but you got to remember that Trevor Simeon sat on the bench for an entire year behind Peyton Manning and was able to, to learn how to become a professional from the quintessential professional. And I think Gary Kubiak wasn't putting any pressure on him. I mean, we talk about Aaron Rodgers being the best quarterback ever, but it, it, I mean, currently, one of the best quarterbacks currently. And it's not to be uh, understated what he was able to learn when he was at Green Bay under the likes of Brett Favre and the other you know, incredible you know, plethora of coaches that have come through there. So I think coaching is to is to is to credit what Trevor Simeon's been able to do as a seventh rounder out of Northwestern, almost Belichick esque. Well, I suppose that wraps up our uh, look back at Week Three of the NFL coming up. We're going to take a quick look at the Rams game, their 37-32 win, and then we'll come back with some random news and we'll look ahead to uh, Week Four in the NFL. You'll hear all of our picks. All right, let's break things up here, fellas, with a, uh, your weekly dose of a little bit of strange news. Hit us. Uh, oh, this, yeah. is, this is this is going to be fun. So there is a new um, a new analysis of some data from the uh, Center for, for Disease Controls on the types of animals most likely to kill you in your state. Here in California, for example, you are most likely to die from contact uh, with venomous snakes and lizards. They also broke down what animal, uh, what American animal is the deadliest by average annual deaths. And Ooh. I'd be interested to hear what do you guys think? I got a guess. What's your guess as what is the deadliest animal each year in the U.S. by a uh, number of deaths Brian per year. I'm, not, I'm done. All right, all right. Deer. <laughs> you would be correct. Uh, apparently, according to this, the CDC's data analysis, 120 people every year are I killed. I want everybody deer. who's listening Bye. right now to know this. Deer. I did not know the answer to that. No, he well did not. Done. This is they. In fact, they did not know the subject of the story before we just launched into it. Now, so that was that was just Brian being from Michigan. Well, I was going <laughs> to say because in Michigan we have to have a. Um, I don't know if anybody knows this uh, for all my Michigan uh, people out there. Michiganders. Michiganders, right? Um, is that in December, I think it's December and early November, a whole month uh, is given to workers, typically in the automotive industry, uh, off to go deer hunting because the population of deer in Michigan gets so out of control by the end of the year that they need to um, administer hunting licenses like crazy in order to keep the population down. Yeah, because they cause such serious accidents. Wow. Uh, when you're you know when you're driving up north or or driving anywhere in a rural area in Michigan, you have to be on the lookout for for deer because I mean, they can I've, kill you. I've yeah. been in a deer caused accident or two myself, so I, I I understand. They can well, and that's just what it is. You know, they're not. It's not like deer are sure, they're not killing us. They're not for deer are not viciously or, or, attacking yeah. no. anybody. They're just you they're know, living and we're fucking. Basically, them up. it's because yes, their natural habitat is shrinking. And ours is getting larger. Was there a two or three on that list? Or? Uh, yeah, number two on the list. Uh, you want to take a guess? Ooh, um, Alex, I'm gonna go with a bear. Uh, no, actually, bear is one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh on the list. Just one person on bee, average dies. Bee. Yes, bees, yes, wasps, and hornets. Two for two. Bees, wasps, and hornets. Fifty-eight people on average a year died. You want to get take a guess at the third one? I've got mine. I've got mine. I, I'm just going to defer to you. You right, seem to Brian. have nature knowledge. Ants. 
No, that's not actually on the list. It's not on the list at all. all? No, mosquito. No, no, that's not it either, and uh, also not on the list. Uh, It's dogs. Dogs, on average, I kill 28 that. people a year. My best friends are just States. killing us. I the reason I went with ants is because some people who have an allergic reaction to fire ants. It's it's almost impossible to get killed by an animal. Your odds of getting killed by an animal are one in 1.4 million. So you know, it, 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 there's a pretty good chance. So we've got we've got a pretty good handle on the food chain. Yeah, but it's yeah. still fun to know that deer kill more people than any other animal. So on let's average. protect our animals. Let's, let's protect them. The more you know. Well, we just had an awesome week of good Rams action against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Florida. Let's how about a win? Let's talk about that. Let's how about a win it. this week? Thirty-seven to thirty-two. Can I can I throw out a couple stats that it's something to be Please. proud of? Fourteen for twenty-six, one hundred ninety yards, and two touchdowns, and one interception. Case Keenum, everybody, welcome, welcome, Case. I have been waiting for this passing attack to just show up. I'm not, you know, I don't think anybody was expecting uh, a cool 37 points to be added to the board, but I, I, I was watching and waiting for Case Keenum to show up, and he did it this week. Super, super happy to see that because the way the running game has been going, somebody's going to have to step up on that offense, and it happened this week. Let's talk about it. Well, I think everyone sort of stepped up this week. I think Case Keenum obviously was the catalyst for that. I think he spread the ball very nicely. I think Tavon Austin got involved finally, Ugh. which was a long Dangles, time. Dangles, your coming. favorite, his 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 salary. <laughs> his salary is forty two million dollars salary. He's making so much fucking money and they're not throwing in the ball. He's not playing like a wide receiver one. That's not his fault. <laughs> that wasn't his fault. But Case Keenum finally got him the ball. I do think though that the catalyst for this offense will continue to be Todd Gurley. He it has had, to be. He had thirty carries for 80 yards? Uh, 85. He had 30 carries for 85 yards, two touchdowns. I think that is only the beginning for Tom. And one long, one long run by Cunningham. If you yeah, guys recall, absolutely. Run. I mean, the Rams looked like a sufficient offense for the first time this season, and it was exciting to watch. It was genuinely an exciting team to watch. And one, one uh, player that I saw struggle early on and then watch the offense switch gears and move away from it was Kenny Britt. I saw Kenny Britt with a couple drops, and he had a bad fumble at and, the end of the game. And he too. had a bad fumble, and it was noticeable how the offense shifted away from throwing him the ball to spreading the ball to people like Quick, Brian, Brian Quick. Quick yes. I love Brian Quick, who caught a very early touchdown pass. I don't think. I mean, I certainly wasn't expecting it to happen so fast. I don't. I don't think a lot of Rams fans were expecting them to come out of the gate so quickly after the offense looked just so very anemic the first two weeks of the season, not scoring any touchdowns. And then I think it was on their first drive of the game yeah. that they got it. That Case Keenum got in. Yeah. And, um, and and you watch Brian Quick get two receptions for 53 yards, as opposed to four targets by Kenny, who uh, racked up 38 and win with a couple drops to 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 boot. So I, I think what. I'm seeing as an observer is I'm watching the offense diversify, which is what you have to do when you don't have a number one receiver like the Rams don't have. Kenny Bird is not a number one receiver. He's just not. So who are you going to rely upon when that number one receiver is non-existent? Well, then you spread the ball around. You do what my Detroit Lions do. You rely on, on the cast 
and and you and you lean on different parts within well, it's, that. Cast. It's also the Drew Brees school of thought. I'm going to spread the ball to as many players as possible and fool that fool that secondary. I'm going to continue to fool that secondary. Keep and that's guessing. What, I they never make him that, never know who he's going to throw it to. And kudos to the play calling. Honestly, oh yeah, it was some solid play calling this week. Jeff Fisher actually did something correctly. Not that he's calling all the plays, but he's signing off on them. Finally, he did something correctly. One of the things I think that I that I like, and something this week that has made me become more of a Rams fan and that is that is helping to help me continue to like this team is the fact that this week showed me that they have the tools that the, the, they're not the, as far the, behind as yeah, we thought that, they were that I, I thought after the first two weeks and not being able to score a touchdown they were so far behind the eight ball in terms of just being cohesive as an offensive unit in terms of the receivers and the offense in general trusting not only Case Keenum but the play calling from the sidelines for trusting Jeff Fisher just getting accustomed to being in the new the new city this week they showed me that they can they can operate like a well-oiled machine on offense they can score when they have to when they're all on the same page and when they're in sync and when they're functioning the right way but one of the things that I am still concerned about and I mentioned this in the first episode that we did is the offensive line and I'm still worried about them to this day because despite the fact that Todd Gurley had 27 carries he for 85 really yards, hard those were 85 slugged out rode hard put away wet yards that True. he had to earn because that offensive line is giving him no help in opening up the gaps for him he's just doing what he does best in terms of being slinky and sneaking through there because he's Todd Gurley but if he doesn't get help from his offensive line soon we're going to start to see more games like the first two games of the season that we saw where he just looked sluggish and unable to get anything started if the Rams are going to win the football game win football games this season they need Todd Gurley to be able to pull off those explosive plays rip off 50 60 yard runs for touchdowns I agree I absolutely agree I do think that the offensive line showed some prowess in the second half, though. I think the the holes were starting to open up. I think week two, they were playing a good Seattle defense. I mean, that defensive line is killer. They will continue to be killer and always be a killer. Week one was a bit of a fluke. I think that wasn't that wasn't really what the Rams are capable of. That was jitters. That was that was getting used to what this team was going to be. And week three was a sign of what's to come. I really believe that that there's only building potential here. Case Keeman did only get sacked once. And that's a and that's a true credit side. to the offensive line there. And we've and what we're seeing though as Rams fans is a trend for the better. Can they keep improving week in and week out? We've seen a steady, even I would even dare say a a large improvement from week to week. Because recall, we watched them struggle mightily week one, go to week two, improve. Now week Mm -hmm. three, we're seeing more of that offense open up. Now the question is, can they continue in week four? They play the Cardinals. Now we all have probably very, very interesting things to say about the Arizona Cardinals, but what's going to happen and who's going to show up any given Sunday? Who knows? But the Rams have got a tough task if the Rams are on. Who knows what happens? I don't want to be playing this Cardinals team if I'm Jeff Fisher and the Rams in University of Phoenix Stadium with with the crowd as loud as it gets. Probably and, not very happy. And that's the other thing. A is really they're, pissed off team. But what we can all agree on with the Rams is that they've got a tough task ahead of them. Absolutely. And this will, in my opinion, solidify what kind of season they have. I, I've been talking about this as a Lions fan, and I'm sure there are a lot of teams and a lot of fans out there speculating as to how their team's going to do for the rest of the season because this is the turning point or not so I, I I'm really interested to see how the LA Rams are able to do against a good team at home 
and, 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 and see if they're able to do it. I think at the very least, if they can perform at the level that keeps them in the game, that will give us enough to say this team has potential to win. Can the defense show up too? Well, and that's just it. In my view, a couple things need to happen to for, for them to win this game. First of all, the offensive line needs to make room for Todd Gurley. Yes. If he doesn't get into the end zone at least twice, I think, on the ground, they're not going to win that football game. He needs to run for over 100 yards and get at least 30 touches of the football. Like he, Much like he needs to have a similar line to what he did this past Sunday. Second of all, the front seven has to stop David Johnson. They have to prevent him from ripping off big gains because he is so good at squeaking through the first line of defenders and once he gets an open space forget about it he's gone he's so elusive and slippery and he has such great explosive playability after first contact so they got to get on top of him and third I think is the secondary has got to be there the second uh, the secondary Mark Barron with Mark Barron had, had a pick and he's been the one bright spot but LaMarcus Joyner Tremaine Johnson the whole secondary just they need to be better and they're not going to get second chances against Michael Floyd or Larry Fitzgerald or John Brown or even Jermaine Gresham for that matter yeah uh, and, and I would one one tiny addendum to that would be the case Keenum needs to continue to be as confident as he was in the pocket last week if he can if they can do those things and I, I think they have a real chance of beating the Cardinals and with 32 points put up on you on a very good defense or one of the better defensive lines with a good linebacking core and a solid defensive backfield when you get that many points put up on you by Jameis Winston and a decent Tampa Bay Buccaneers team if it if the Cardinals show up and they're on point you, you better you better you better show up and show tit for tat otherwise you could be in trouble so who wins that's the real question so who wins this I mean Sunday? so what, so so Alex what we'd like to do at the end of this each segment uh, this segment in specific is to talk about why the Rams either win or lose give us a score okay keep in mind ESPN's power football index has the uh, has the Rams a 14 percent chance to win this game Maybe not that low. I would say I would say twenty to twenty-five. It's going to be a very tall. It's the Cardinals task. game to lose. The Cardinals need to lose this game, similarly to how they lost the game against the Bills. The Bills may have played some good football, but Carson Palmer lost that game. Oh, that game was that game was because of mis- they lost it because of. Mis- and I think that that the Arizona Cardinals are one of the best teams in the NFL who had a rough game. The Rams are going to have a very, very difficult time beating this team. I do think it's going to be a decent game, though. I do think that the Rams are going to put up points. I do think that the Cardinals' defense isn't strong enough to to hold back Gurley. That offensive line may awaken. I'm hoping that they awaken. They started to, and I can see them doing so in this game. I think Carson Palmer, if they attack him and attack him and throw that blitz and make some interesting defensive calls, it could be an interesting game, but it's still going to be, I'm thinking, a 32-21 to 21 game in favor of the Cardinals. Nice. That's almost exactly the score I, I was going to go s- with. Like that's funny you say 21. that. I was going to go that high, too. And I think the difference is, though, for me, is the special teams. I think one when the math isn't adding up and you're looking at the Rams and you're like, how are they scoring this many points? How are they giving up this many points? I think it has a lot to do with the special teams. When you have Zerline and Hacker, Hacker, putting you in positions to win games. I mean, you know, I think it was a 53-yarder that that Zerline was able to to connect on, one-for-one. One. That's a big one-for-one. One. In a very close game where, where momentum makes a difference, that's important. And when you're punting on an, with an average of 51 yards as a punter, you're giving your team and your defense a chance to play. So I, I honestly watch uh, that very closely, and I, and I seriously think that's a big part of why I think the Rams will win against wow. the Arizona Wow, Cardinals. okay. What score? 
I, I'm I'm looking very similarly at that score. I I would say like a 30, 30 to twenty one, um, maybe twenty four in that range. I think you're actually going to watch the Rams control the the offensive line and control the defensive line. I think I they're going to I think they're going to control I'd the lunches. I would love to see that too. I, I would love really, it, Daniels. I would really love to see that too. I I, I would love I, I agree with all the things Brian just said. I I just don't I don't see them beating a very angry Cardinal team. I think Carson Palmer comes back in the form that we expect to see him in next week. I think they're just too much. I think I think I think the Cardinals are too athletic, they're too big, they're too strong and they're just too well coached to yeah. Bruce Arians is one of the best coaches in the NFL and Jeff Fisher is I've heard Case Keenum described as as the quarterback equivalent of a gas station sandwich if that's the case then <laughs> Jeff Jeff Fisher is is the core is the coach equivalent of gas station sushi so I think 34-21 is your final Cardinals beat the Rams the Rams come back home humbled from Arizona and uh, we'll have to look to get back on track because I believe the week following they are at home also and and, and I'll end on this the last time that, it, well, the, the Rams are uh, the first team in, I believe, a decade. Yeah, in the last, in 10 years to win their uh, two or win two consecutive games after getting shut out in their season opener. Wow. Do you know the last team to do that was? The New England Patriots. Oh, man. How oh, did boy. I In know 2003, that. who went 14-2 and two and won the Super Bowl. You may not see it, but I'm putting up the middle finger <laughs> right here. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, the Rams did this this year. The Patriots were the last team All to do it. Right. If there's an omen, I think that's a good one. I hope it's that omen. Well, I hope so, too. And we're going to look forward to uh, talking about them next week. But um, up next, we have the injury report. Some big injuries up ahead. So let's, uh, let's, let's get ready to forward. talk about it. Right, so this week's injury report, starting with your Giants, Alex. Oh, God. Uh, The team announcing today (laughs) that uh, Shane Vereen will miss the rest of the season with a torn tricep. Tell us about how big big of an injury is that? You know, I don't think it's that big of an injury. I'm actually very, very curious to see what Orleans Darkwa can do because he's never been really given a chance. He gets maybe 10 carries a game, if that, when he's in, and I think that he's capable of a lot more than a Shane Vereen can really do. He's nothing out of I mean, if you don't, if he can't. He can't run the ball. He passed him. He's a great receiver. Yeah, Shane Green is know? a va- is a great receiving rusher. But I, I don't, I don't think it's that big of a downfall. I think that Orleans Darkwat is the actual choice for a running back for the Giants. Well, and Rashad Jennings is hoping to get back soon. I we think need he's, he's, he's. I know. <laughs> you, you do need, you do need Rashad. And uh, as, as I understand it, he's, he's hoping to be back very soon. I'm hopeful of that. And another big loss this week: uh, Redskins quarterback D'Angelo Hall tore his. ACL over the Giants. I'd be worried about this if it were like eight years ago and he was still one of the like deadliest returners in the NFL, but now he's just kind of an old man and Yeah, throw and, someone else I back mean, there, he'll yeah, be fine. I, I'm sure you can replace him with whoever there's whoever they're like you know, their their cornerback two on that side of the field is yeah. will probably be fine to replace D'Angelo Hall. You'll hear Jay Gruden say it's a big loss for the team, but I'm not, you know Jay Gruden knows a lot more than I do about football, but <laughs> I'm just not buying into the fact that D'Angelo Hall is that big a deal. All right. Well, you know, in a division that that's that where things are that tight, I think it's yeah. worth mentioning that a guy like D'Angelo Hall could be a small difference, not a large difference. Oh no, but a small I agree. Difference. Sure, I agree. Not not worth mentioning. I'm just saying, it, you know, they'll find somebody to replace him pretty quickly. I think I he's agree. expendable. I agree. Uh, another interesting uh, injury this week was uh, Ryan Matthews of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, re- uh, 
Rappaport of NFL.com has reported that Matthew's ankle has stiffened, um, which caused him to be sidelined throughout the afternoon in the last game, which resulted in him having negative yards. So, you know, something interesting to talk about, how Carson Wentz has been able to do something with backups, with no-namers, while his bigger free agent pickups throughout the year Mm -hmm. have have been sitting, you know, on the the bench. Darren Sproles had arguably the play of the season so far when he caught a little pass out in the flat from from Carson Wentz and proceeded to turn it into I, I don't remember the exact yardage on it but it, it looked like it was between 40 and 50 yards and he faked out three or four Steelers defenders towards the end of that run by zigzagging back and forth it was really impressive and it is impressive what it's Wentz has what, been able to do it's kind of what you hope Tavon Austin becomes for the LA Rams. I would love to see him doing those kind of things that's the injury report and we'll see what uh, next week uh, brings forward All right, folks, we're getting into week four here. Thursday night's game, we're going to go with Brian. What is the pick between the Dolphins at Cincinnati? Oh, Cincinnati all the way. All the way. Because if there's any team that's more disappointing than the Chicago Bears, it's the Miami Dolphins. I think you're watching a complete collapse of... Wow. I, I mean, you are. I, 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 I mean, 0-3, correct? 1-2. 1-2. and, two. One One and two. They beat they the did shittiest win. team in the NFL, in my opinion. Took them, they took them to overtime to do it. Which they took them to overtime. So, so I, I mean, when you can't beat teams in, you know, at your, in, in your own stadium, I think you have a problem. But I, I, I like slow and steady Cincinnati. Just keep the course. You know, Steelers are vulnerable. Just stay the course. Get a win this week. You'll be fine. Dangles? I think Cincinnati wins this game. I think they're probably irritated that they couldn't beat the Broncos and their defense couldn't get to Trevor Simeon. I think they're going to come in, and I think they'll win by at least a touchdown and a field goal. It'll probably be a 10-point game. I think it's no-brainer. I think the Bengals are going to win by 21. I think it's going to murder wow. the wow. Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are in the top three worst teams. Oh, easy. I think they're getting easy. a top-five pick. They're horrendous. Adam Gase was incredibly— Now, I haven't seen very many coaches so angry after a win as I did and, Adam Gase And I Gase think he's yesterday. a great coach, but I think there's so much work to to be done on that team um, and just for the record uh, Tony picks the Bengals as well Tony will be f- feeding us his everyone's on the Bengals yes we have Tony's picks via we have Tony's <laughs> yeah we have Tony's picks so he'll be he'll be here uh, as, as spirit as placeholder all right we move to Sunday where we get into the early games Colts at Jacksonville two really <laughs> wow. really difficult teams to root for give us a dangles I mean as far as I'm concerned I've I just I can't jump on the bandwagon with them anymore Gus Bradley is going to have to get fired for this team to get better but there if there is a team that they're going to beat i think it could be indianapolis okay but i think the colts win i think the jags fall to zero and four colts take it by a touchdown i think 27 20 wow. is your final mr balzarini i i disagree i think the jaguars are upset i think they are mad i think they are better than owen three i think they you know they do they go into the playoffs like we all kind of hoped no but I don't believe that they're an 0-4 team. I'm going to go with the Jags, and um, so does Tony, by the way. I will absolutely agree with that. I'm going to go with the Jags as okay, well. Okay, wow. Wow, okay. I don't know. We'll see what happens next week. <laughs> Moving forward, we have the Titans at Houston in the Texans. 1-2 oh, and two versus 2-1. and one. Another crummy Ah, that's AFC easy for South me. Matchup. That's the Houston Texans. I, I, I don't. Granted, this is how the league gets interesting, but I do still have faith in the Houston Texans, who lost to a very good New England team, who are still in the, in my opinion, the driver's seat of that um, of that division. Don't uh, don't discount the Tennessee Titans necessarily. I don't think in that game. 
I think the Titans might actually eke out a win here. Don't discount DeMarco Murray. He's getting a lot of touches and chewing up a bunch of ground when he does it. I think Against that, that I, defense? I think this is a trap game. If Josh McDaniels can scheme up a way to keep J.J. Watt out of the picture and, and just completely and totally neutralize him, I think the Titans can probably look at that tape and say, okay, how did they do this? And if you can game plan to keep him out of the backfield, that's a huge leg up on Houston already because, as I said before, I think their offense is a fucking dumpster fire and Brock Osweiler is terrible. It's a very tall order, but I do agree. I think that defense showed a lot of prowess against a very strong Oakland Raiders offense, and I think that DeMarco Murray was the answer last week, and I think he might be the answer this week if you can keep J.J. Watt at bay. What is Tony's pick? Tough order. Tony has the uh, Houston Texans. Okay, again. In in a really just bullshit game, we have the Cleveland Browns at the Washington Redskins. I I truly believe that the Browns are that bad of a team. It was actually nice to see Terrell Pryor come out and, and, and be a number one receiver and be kind of that flex option and throw the ball a little bit, do a little fun. But I don't think it's enough. I, I don't I don't have a great deal of uh, optimism for a team that I think is destined to be another top three, top four pick um, of a, of an organization. So I, I I can't I can't in good faith beat the Browns. Dangles. No, I'm going with the Redskins as well. I mean, I think a if they can beat the Giants, uh, they can come close, they can, right? Yeah. They can certainly beat the the Browns, and the Browns just don't have the tools. I don't think that their lack of success is necessarily directly attributable to Hugh Jackson. No, I think he's Hugh doing Jackson a wonderful. Is doing a great job. You can't you you can't be expected to build a home that someone would want to live in working with Fisher Price plastic tools. McCown. You can't you can't do it. It's it's not possible. So I think the Redskins win that game pretty handily and the Browns will fall to 0 and 4. Yeah, the Browns are going to go 0 and 16. I'm going to call it right now. They are the worst team in the NFL easily easily the worst team in the NFL. I'm going to throw you a curveball. Our 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 man uh, Tony is picking the Browns. Oh my really? god. Really? I'd be interested to hear his reasoning behind that. Kessler's also out. Kessler who was the one bright spot in the Browns team last week through a through a moderately decent game is now going to be out this week. They're going to their fucking third string quarterback. It's going to be a nightmare. I don't know what he sees in that team, but uh it's but okay. It's going to be a nightmare. Moving on, we have the Seattle Seahawks at a very very defeated New York Jets. I think the Seahawks win that game. Uh, I think and I think, hey, you know, you guys remember Jimmy Graham plays for the Seahawks. We were all reminded of this this past week when he exciting. got a fucking touchdown for the first time in God knows how long. Jimmy, Jimmy Graham. Ex- well, exactly. This guy was like the greatest tight end since Tony Gonzalez when the Seahawks traded him to, uh, or I'm sorry, when New Orleans traded him to the Seahawks. And he's been almost non-existent. They talk about not offense. earning your salary, you know? Seriously. Seriously. But, you know, I think the, I think the, the one thing to take into consideration here is is the fact that Russell Wilson won't be starting. Uh, he is going to be out. I think MCL. actually it's a sprained it's MCL. MCL. It is a sprained MCL that's keeping him We were going to talk out. about that in the injury report, but we, we figured we'd we get to We now. skipped over it. Well, that's it's okay. not a small injury. It's not a small no, injury. No, it's a huge injury. Trevon Boykin, uh, rookie out of TCU, will be stepping in for him. And he actually, in the throws that he had, he looked good. He threw, it, he threw an interception, but he also threw a couple of touchdowns. And Imagine if he comes out and plays. I mean... The <laughs> Against the Jets, D, that's going to be very interesting. So you're, going, you're still the going Jets to... 
Seahawks. He looked lazy as fuck. Oh, they look like fuck. shit. But against, this week against, against Kansas City, I, I I hope that Todd Bowles will get a get in. He was laying into them on the sidelines. I expect the Jets to come back. I just don't think it'll be enough. I think the Legion of Boom is going to give uh, uh, Fitzpatrick fits, and uh, okay. and and he's going to look just he's going to look childish again. Maybe not six picks, but um, they'll force a few on him. <laughs> okay, Brian. It's at New York, correct? It is at New York. I'm going to go with the Jets. I mean, I don't like going with the home team as a default, but I see both these teams as being extremely equal on the whole momentum game. I'll agree with that. I think if they can get Forte going, if they can get that defensive line to open oh. up some holes, then they can they can absolutely win this game. Um, I'm going with the Jets. Where's and uh, our, our man Tony is going with the Jets as well. Of course he Alrighty. is. Moving forward, we have the Bills at the New England Patriots at your New England Patriots. <laughs> Dangles, let's start with you. I have no idea who's going to be under center for the Patriots this week, but I don't care. I'm still picking the New England Patriots. Uh, if there's one thing we learned last week is that Bill Belichick can game plan for anyone, including Jacoby Brissett. Garrett Blunt is having one hell of a season. Oh, wow. Uh, just running absolutely hard. running hard, destroying people. I think the Patriots win by two touchdowns. I will agree with that. I think no matter who you put back there, I hope they put back Julian Edelman. I'll be thrilled if they put Edelman back there. The Patriots are absolutely winning this game. The Bills, well, that was a fluke against the Cardinals, and it's absolutely going to be the Patriots. Yeah, right? I, I mean, it, I'm... There's not much to say. I think the Patriots are going to win. Yeah. And Tony, I'm assuming. Yep, Tony's pass all the way. Interesting game going forward. We have the Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons. One and two versus two and one. A very good one and two team against a very mediocre two and one team, in my opinion. Brian, thoughts? Uh, I'm going to go with the Panthers. Uh, I'm waiting for the Panthers to prove me right. You know, I, I mean... With one in, with a record of one and two, they are certainly, certainly not meeting expectations for this season. But I, I do still think that with Luke Keekley, with Cam Newton, with Olsen, with Benjamin, you have a, a core group of players who at any point, if they decide to gel and come together and play, and that offensive line decides that they're going to fucking block and 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 work together, you've got a nasty team who can turn around a 1-2 and two season and make it a 10-2 and two season very easily. They're, they're that type of team. So I, I, I think that starts this week. And not I to mention a do. very, very, very angry Cam Newton. And, and, I, and, and I still am not one of those believers in the Atlanta Falcons. So I, I'm going to go with the Panthers. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's the Panthers game to lose. I think, I think the Falcons defense is, is not, I don't think it, it's as tenacious as Minnesota's defense. If it were another team with a little bit more tenacious of a defense, I might, I might pick another. I might pick whoever, whoever that team was. But as it stands, I think that's the Panthers game. I'm going to go with the Panthers as well, and I think it's going to be a huge turnaround for them in a division rival, and that's going to be sort of the resurgence of Cam and that team. What does Tony have for us? He agrees with the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Go Panthers. Carolina. Go Carolina. Carolina. Moving forward, in a very interesting game for me, I think the Oakland Raiders at the Baltimore Ravens is a very you interesting game for Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is a phenomenal quarterback. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off. I think Derek Carr is performing wonderfully, and he is the unsung hero of the NFL right now. He's playing wonderful football, very few mistakes, leading a very young offense to some success, and I think that they're going to take down that Baltimore Ravens uh, team right now and show them that they are not a 3-0 team. I think that the Raiders are deserving of crushing this team. I think it's going to be a 10-point game. Dangles. The Ravens, The Ravens. I just don't understand. Their leading rusher is Terrence West, who has 133 yards. Their leading receiver is Dennis Pitta with 183. 
those are the those are your top two skill positions that barely crest 300 yards in total yardage and we're three weeks into the season they have played some horrendous teams they are getting love because they've played horrendous teams they are and i think this will be the first week that they finally face an actual team that's going to give them some trouble uh and i think i think the raiders are going to win this one i think it might be close i think it could be a three a field goal that decides this game but uh i think the raiders will win and the ravens lose their first game of the season I'm going to go with the Raiders. I I do think that, um, like we all kind of thought, the Raiders were going to be a team this year that 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 was destined to potentially move into that lead position in the AFC West. They haven't done that, but they've nestled themselves nicely into that conversation for the wild card. But so, but I like them against the Ravens because again, we shit on the Ravens all the time, and I, and there's no different in this. And Tony, Tony is a Raiders fan. Moving forward, we have your Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. A a interesting. We're talking about a tire fire. Oh right there. man, yeah, I know that that's gonna um, be a, uh, that's gonna be a game. I just want to point out one thing as a Lions fan that um, is worth noting in this. I think what you saw this past week was what I would consider a quintessential Detroit Lions loss. A team that gives you some level of optimism because of the score, but when you really look from beginning to end, that team lost that game. Lost that game because when you look at that second half, whether you think the Lions were better than what they did the first half or whether the Green Bay backers came back and allowed them to get back into that game, either scenario looms a a terrible, terrible truth. And that is the Detroit Lions are a bad team this year. So with that said, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that they'll be better than they were against the uh, um, Green Bay Packers and show up, and I think they will. I'm truly hopeful for your sanity as well. I'm picking the Detroit Lions all the way. The Bears are horrendous right now. They have nothing going on offense. They have even less going on defense. They are a horrendous team. Jay Cutler might as well just sit on the sidelines for the rest of the year. It's the Detroit Lions. I think Stafford's going to step up. I think that team's going to perform. Dangles. I would be more comfortable putting an unconscious person under center than I would Jay Cutler <laughs> and it's the truth uh, I really I would really rather put someone who is in a coma uh, at the quarterback position other than Jay Cutler because he's terrible I think for as bad as you might think the Lions are I think there are a lot of upsides they put up points. I think there are a lot of upsides to that team I think the Lions uh, uh, beat, beat the Bears pretty handily the Bears could very easily go 1-15 in this year I would enjoy that uh, and Tony I would love this explanation but he's picking the Bears he's out of his mind for three no. okay as a listener of the Left Coasters podcast I've heard Tony for the first two weeks, be excited about the Bears, and then the third week, rip him a new one, and now he's back on the Bears train magically. I don't understand. He said last week he was done with them. He's going to have to answer for that next week. Yeah, yeah. I'm calling you out, Tricky Dick, Anthony Richard Cavallo. You are fucking being called out. Please explain your your Bears fandom. Please explain your Bears fandom when you are a Green Green Bay Packers fan. I don't understand why you have so much trust in them. Maybe you're talking too much to Saunders, but anyway. Absolutely insane. (laughs) Moving forward. We have the Broncos at the Buccaneers. This, to me, is a no-brainer. I'm going absolutely yeah. with the Denver Broncos. Denver. Dangles. Denver, I don't have much else to say about it. Denver, Jameis Winston's not going to be able to do enough against that Denver defense, and Trevor Simeon is going to continue to look good, I think. Uh, the Denver Broncos will win that game, and I think pretty handily. Brian, we are in Tampa. Uh, you know, I again, uh, big fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what Jameis Winston was able to do uh, the last three games. But what you're noticing with the with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers is that they're a young team. 
they're playing like a young team. They don't know how to close. They don't know how to um, play. They play with composure. What I saw out of the Rams game was a team that just shot themselves in the foot regularly. And um, you can't win uh, against the Broncos and play like that and Trevor Simeon. They're just too good, and Kubiak's just too smart. So I'm going to go with Kubiak and the Denver Broncos. Absolutely, and I'm hoping, hoping that Tony's going with the Broncos as well. Yeah, he got this one right. Thank God. In what might be the saddest game of the week, we have the 0-3 New Orleans Saints at the San Diego Chargers. Please tell me that's not the Monday night game. That is not the Monday night game. We're still in Sunday. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll start with that one. I think the Chargers win that game. Uh, I think Phillip Rivers is is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, I think he's done a lot given how little he has to work with. Brian? For for being a shit organization, um, they're playing good ball, and you got to give credit where credit's due. And Melvin Gordon is stepping up and stepping up really well. Um, even with Manti Teo, I still think that defense shows up, and I think they play well at home. And I, and I mean, we we watched them. The New Orleans Saints. Things has no, he has no weapons. He has nobody. He has nothing and nobody to make big plays for him. It's it's really sad. It's an empty cabinet. Mm-hmm. And it's it's obvious. So um, for them to go across the United States to play in San Diego and beat San Diego, who right now looks like a very competitive team, gonna it's going to be hard. It's going to be a tall order. What's Tony got? Tony has the Saints. I'm not even going to question. I'm going to say wow. I'm just going to say you're a fool. I'm well, not even making this up. I'm looking at his text <laughs> messages. I I can't make sense of it. It's an it's an impressive it's an impressive call if he's correct. It's it's an absolute moronic call as far as I'm concerned. I'm going with the San Diego Chargers because that makes the most sense. <laughs> Moving forward, we have the Dallas Cowboys at the San Francisco 49ers. I think the 49ers are one of the worst teams in the NFL and are somehow competing every week. Last week they looked like shit against Seattle. I'm absolutely going with Dak Prescott again. The Cowboys are going to win this game handily. I'm going to go with Dallas as well. Yeah. Same here, Dallas and Dak. Please tell me Anthony has Dallas. He does. He has Dallas. Okay, wonderful. Can't make fun of him too much. Uh, not too much. <laughs> it's his podcast. <laughs> Moving forward, we have Kansas City Chiefs at a very, very angry Pittsburgh disappointed Steelers. Steelers team. Oh yeah. Wow. Dangles. What do you think about that game? I actually want to talk about this game. Yeah. This, no, I actually, I actually think this is going to be interesting because on on, on paper, I want to say that I want to say that this should be an easy win for the Steelers. There, uh, Mike Tomlin has got to be one of the least happy. Coach, probably the least happy coach in the NFL uh, after this week, and I would not want to mess with a, a, an angry Mike Tomlin. I would not want to be in practice that week with an angry Mike Tomlin. Uh, I think ultimately they do win this game. I think it's close. I think it's a field goal. It could be a field goal or less that decides this game. I think Pittsburgh rebounds this week. What is Tony's pick on this? Steelers. The Steelers, okay. I mean, I'm going to go with it as well. It makes it makes sense. Well, I, I think, like I said last week about Aaron Rodgers, I don't think you beat Ben Roethlisberger twice. I don't. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger loses twice back-to-back weeks. That's what makes him a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, and I think he's going to live up to that name this week. That makes a lot of sense. The Chiefs, however, played some phenomenal defense against, obviously, not a wonderful offense in the New York Jets, but they did show their prowess on the defensive end. I might, do think... Might I, be enough. It might be enough, but I do think Ben Roethlisberger comes back. He's and, not going to throw six interceptions to make you look that good, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he's not. I mean, Fitzpatrick made Fitzpatrick made that defense look great. And if, I'm not, and if I'm not mistaken, or, this Sunday. is the return 
return of Le'Veon Bell this week, so True it's going to be a very, very he's, interesting. He's questionable, but we'll see what he's happens. He's questionable, but I can see him. I can see him getting a few snaps, and that will be interesting to to mess up that de- defense as well. And we finish up on the Monday night game. My New York Giants at the scariest team in the NFL, in my opinion, the Minnesota fucking Vikings. Mm. I'm fucking personally absolutely terrified of this game. How do you sack? Cam Newton eight times and expect Eli Manning not to just be eating turf every drive. I'm so scared. I think the Vikings are going to absolutely kill us. And I just I think I the Giants are going to win. Really? Oh. Yeah. I think this is a trap game for the Vikings. I think this is such a trap game for them. There, there's no one who thinks after the way that they played in Week Three that they could possibly lose. They're playing defense out of their mind. Sam Bradford looks looks great. I I I think the Giants are unhappy with the way that they lost that game. I think Eli Manning is unhappy with the way that he lost that game and frankly I don't want to play against an angry two-time Super Bowl champion quarterback because if there's one person in this league who knows how to beat teams that he has no fucking business beating it's Eli Manning That's because he beat two Patriots teams that he had that team had that the, that Giants team had no business being in the game with the Patriots That's what he does. let alone competing with them let alone beating them however it's not the it's not the offense that I'm concerned about it is the defense I don't think that Stefan Diggs is gonna Stefan Diggs is gonna have 170 yards and three touchdowns this game and what's and what's scary about the um, the Minnesota Vikings is that they had three takeaways. So I think the Vikings are that good on defense where they're capable of making good to moderate quarterbacks look look less than. I unfortunately agree with you. What does Tony say about this really terrifying game for me? He's a Vikings man. Oh, of course he is. Well, oh. that's that's the week going forward. Thank you, Alex, for, for yeah, thank you guys for having me. Thank you guys for having me. I would like to uh, just quickly plug my podcast that Dangles is a guest sometimes on. <laughs> Please check out Shooting the Breeze with Chafe and Cheese if you get the chance. We will plug these guys. They I love I love listening to these guys every week. The Left Coasters are big big friends of mine, and please continue to listen to them. They know what they're talking about. Well, we we, we love you too, and uh, appreciate the support. That's all we have for this week. And uh, let's always remember we have a email. At the Left Coasters Podcast at gmail.com. Left Coasters Podcast at gmail.com. We will field all your questions, bring you uh, bring you to the spotlight as we as we like to do, and uh, answer your questions. Alright, this is the Left Coasters. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. We'll see you next week. Bye. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.